0: Hello and welcome to this primary care podcast about autistic people and autistic people's access to primary care.
1: Under the Equality Act 2020, GP surgeries and organisations have a legal duty to make changes in their approach or provision to ensure that services are accessible to people from a wide range of backgrounds, including autistic people.
0: training for staff could make a difference to autistic people's lives. The health professional doing an appointment should understand autism.
1: Autistic people without a learning disability are often hidden populations and they face significant health inequalities. Research has shown that they unfortunately die 12 years earlier than people in the general population and the most common cause of this is suicide.
0: Hello. And welcome to this primary care podcast about autistic people and autistic people's access to primary care. My name is Aaron Sr. And I'm the lived experience autism advisor in the national autism team at NHS England and NHS Improvement. I would Firstly, i would like to thank all of the NHS and care staff and primary care teams who have worked the, the extra long hours in hospitals and health and care services throughout the pandemic. And thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Anita Pearson. I'm a GP. I'm one of the National Specialty Advisors for Autism at NHS England and NHS Improvement. And I'm also the parent of an autistic young person. As Erin has rightly said, we have all been working really hard, but it does feel very challenging in primary care at the moment. So whilst it doesn't seem to be a good time to run this podcast, we do hope it will be helpful to you in your vaccination and other appointments to help it run smoothly for autistic people. So what is autism?
0: To me, being autistic means I sometimes have a different perception of the world around us. I also have a few different sensory needs to everyone else in society. Being autistic can be cruel and it can make me feel cut off from my close friends and family.
2: Thanks Aaron what you said so powerful and so important feeling kind of cut off and feeling that it's a, it's a cruel situation and as a mother of someone who has autism a learning disability and complex health needs this topic is so close to my heart my name's Fazila Amid I'm one of the family care advisors within the learning disability and autism team at NHS England and NHS Improvement autism actually shouldn't really be thought of as a, a medical condition It is really a lifelong developmental condition, which affects how people communicate and how they interact with the world. There's about one in 100 people that are on the autistic spectrum, and there are around 700,000 autistic adults and children in the UK alone. And it is a really wide spectrum. So you've got people who are very academic. They might find it hard to communicate, though, and understand social norms as others do. And equally, we've got those who have quite severe, profound communication issues and a severe learning disability who can't speak or look after themselves. So, for example, like my son, he has very high anxiety. He's on a number of medications. He's very worried about going to the GP practice. So as a carer, my role is really important to help identify when he really needs to go to the GP, explain this to him, help him calm down, prepare him and literally physically take him, even though he's 18. Otherwise, he just wouldn't visit the GP surgery. As
1: we know, under the Equality Act, GP surgeries and organisations have a legal duty to make changes in their approach or provision to ensure that services are accessible to people from a wide range of backgrounds, including autistic people. These changes are called reasonable adjustments. So just like to have a quick chat about why it's important that autistic people are supported to be able to access primary care in a way that works for them. Autistic people without a learning disability are often hidden populations and they face significant health inequalities. Research has shown that they unfortunately die 12 years earlier than people in the general population and the most common cause of this is suicide. Autistic people generally experience poorer health outcomes than other people in the population. And they're more likely to develop a wide range of conditions, which can include things like heart disease, epilepsy, diabetes, obesity, stroke. There's such a wide range of things, which also would include sleep disorders, sleep apnea, allergies and autoimmune conditions. They also have a high rate of mental health conditions. So at least 40% of autistic people have one or more mental health conditions. And other things that they might have are depression, psychosis and eating disorders. Genetic disorders are also very common. And we know about 30% of autistic people have a learning disability and 30% are likely to have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So
0: why do autistic people find it hard to make an appointment, or to go
1: see the GP. Erin, there's many different reasons that explain why making an appointment to see a GP is difficult for autistic people. Some autistic people find it difficult to make an appointment. They may feel anxious about using the phone, worry about what they're supposed to say and how they will answer any of the questions we ask them. They may have sensory sensitivities to sound and light, which means waiting rooms are really uncomfortable for them. Or they may have sensitivity to touch, and find that physical examinations sometimes are needed too anxiety-provoking. They can also experience alexithymia, which is the difficulty to identify their emotions or physical feelings, so that they may not notice changes in their physical state. This means that they may have also different responses to pain, such as a very high pain threshold. Also, when autistic people have successfully accessed the healthcare system, may be more difficult for healthcare professionals to diagnose their problems because of all the things we've just discussed. Autistic people are also likely to have a range of co-occurring conditions and communication differences that can mean health problems that are unnoticed misunderstood or misdiagnosed or
2: even maybe not further investigated it's a real challenge isn't it but I do think everybody's reworking really, really hard and, and that you know this is being recognized now by the NHS isn't it
1: that's right there's been a lot of focus and investment on improving health in the in autistic people with several key documents focusing on this
2: yeah, actually, exactly. We've got the long term plan and it's the, the first formal document that makes a specific commitment to improving health outcomes of autistic people. So, for example, we're looking at suggesting the introduction of a specific health check for autistic people. Secondly, I think in 2022, the Learning from Lives and Deaths programme, I think many of you will know it as LEADER, will also include autistic people in their reviews. I think you'll know that the LEADER programme has focused on developing local action in response to learning from the deaths of people with a learning disability and the lives leading up to their death. So the aim is that this will be expanded so that we can also learn from the deaths of autistic people.
1: And there's also the National Strategy for Autistic Children, Young People and Adults, which is from 2021 to 26. And this also outlines changes that hopefully will have a significant impact on autistic people's lives.
2: Yeah, so hopefully we're all moving in the right direction. So how does this all kind of translate at a practice level, Anita?
1: Well, I think, as you know, there's primary care networks and both this and at a practice level, it's helpful to think think, about reasonable adjustments, which can be embedded across practices and PCNs. This hopefully will offer continuity of care and some additional roles such as the social prescribers and health and wellbeing coaches will be able to facilitate some support around loneliness and anxiety that we've just described. Offering autistic people reasonable adjustments doesn't require massive investment or time. It's really small changes can make a big impact for people. So reasonable adjustments, which can include offering longer appointments and providing information in advance about what will happen during or before a medical appointment. And just thinking about the waiting rooms, so adjusting sensory environments can be helpful. So offering appointments at the beginning of a session when waiting rooms are hopefully quieter, or offering to turn the lights off, or checking if the sound or air conditioning or heating is bothering people. We all know that systems developing reliance on the use of text and phone calls can be challenging, and so making reasonable adjustments at each point of access is really important. The other thing I think is really, really helpful is that continuity of care is so important, And so maybe a small team in the practice which try and offer continuity to people can improve health outcomes and engagement for autistic people.
2: And given how challenging these times have been, the NHS and the wider community have really shown how creative and resourceful we all can be. So it's really important health professionals and other teams are able to share best practice and all the great things that they are doing in terms of how they can support autistic people. There was a a recent research study and it highlighted, I think, four key points. Firstly, that seeing the same professional is really important for autistic people and clinicians, actually, where, you know, that can happen. Secondly, both clinicians and autistic people think making adjustments to healthcare is important. And like you say, Anita, often those small adjustments are possible and can make a real difference to people. Thirdly, they found that autistic people process information in a different way and so may need extra support in appointments, I think, as you've mentioned and finally and I, i'm sure you're all aware you know clinicians are often constrained by time pressures or targets so we all you know have to be mindful of this and ensure that everything that we're looking to do is practical and in other studies it's been shown that making quick and easy reasonable adjustments can really lead to better health outcomes I mean, it can be a really stressful time. So anything that could be done to help calm the nerves, you really can only help. So even just being friendly and understanding or offering a double appointment can make a huge difference. Or maybe giving the option of either a face-to-face or a virtual appointment, opposed to offering just a virtual appointment, you know, being offered automatically. So often it's the simple things that can make all the difference. And as a carer, I can help explain these kind of things and support both my son as well as the GP practice um, really to get the best out of the appointment. So do feel free to ask carers about what would help. So for example, you know, what does good look like for Kareem, my son? Well, he doesn't like busy or noisy environments, not waiting too long, or waiting outside. You know, not explaining what's going to happen. He like he needs to know what's going to happen next. Ideally, he doesn't like touching, but obviously, if it is necessary, then explaining first what's going to happen and actually showing him before you're going up to him or doing anything, either like, you know, listening to his chest or taking at his temperature. Aaron, what kind of reasonable adjustments help you? I like everything explained to me bit by
0: bit. What the doctor or health professional are going to do the appointment. Also, if the waiting area is busy, the nurses sometimes let me wait downstairs, where it's a lot quieter and also darker. I like the health professional to explain to me what they find during my appointment. By that, I mean information to find out about my health. It will also set up my anxiety if the doctor starts so my appointment on time and it's better for me to have a double appointment so I don't feel rushed as it takes time for me to think about what I want to say. I feel happy and supported during the appointment. If I feel like the doctor has taken in what I have to say, and if they have been clear, 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 and not use difficult words, making simple adjustments for autistic people to things such as lighting, noise level, smells, autism, training for staff could make a difference to autistic people's lives, to help professionals doing their Appointment should understand autism needs to be autism trained and should have people's needs put somewhere in people's health records. The health checks and checkups could help address what the health inequalities are
2: for autistic people. Yeah, absolutely. And carers can also help. So for example, you know, it is impossible to just automatically know what a person's needs are, or how to personalise their care. So it's absolutely okay for you to ask that person or their carer, or both where appropriate, you know, what would help them? In fact it is really helpful for you to ask how autistic people can be supported because it won't only help them but hopefully help you to make things run more smoothly. And as Aaron said you know if you've got the reasonable adjustments identified you can log them on their information records obviously with their consent. Primary care teams
0: can make a real difference to autistic people's lives by making simple adjustments and sharing best practice, showing awareness and understanding and asking what the person needs and the logginess of their consent. This will lead to better health outcomes for autistic people and greater effectiveness and job satisfaction for you. Knowing that autistic people are getting the right care and treatment they deserves makes me proud of my job.
1: Thanks to Aaron Fasila for so eloquently describing some of the barriers that they and their families have experienced when trying to access primary care and for describing some simple ways to implement reasonable adjustments. I think it's really helpful to know that it's just simple things and low cost things that can make a massive difference to autistic people. I hope that you found this discussion really helpful. For further information, there's a website england.nhs.uk where you'll find a range of accessible resources to support communication with autistic people. And there's also another podcast that I think is really helpful and that's about overcoming potential barriers in vaccinating autistic people. And that's found on the Primary Care Networks page on SoundCloud.
2: You've been listening to a podcast produced by Robert Mulligan. For NHS England and NHS Improvements.